0: Well, the scriptures are clear. God made them male and female, but for many in our day, it's not so clear. We have a great deal of confusion when it comes not only to sexuality, but even to gender identification. Sue Bolin works with Probe Ministries and Apologetics Ministry, and I have appreciated her efforts over the years to address subjects in a timely and biblical way. And so I had a conversation with Sue, and I want to share some excerpts of that with you today. I asked her about the the whole question of gender. How in the world did we get to this place where there is so much confusion?
1: Actually, I think it started in the 60s with the invention of the birth control pill that separated sex from procreation, uh, which was quickly followed by separating sex from marriage— And people just went crazy with the idea, the false idea, that they could pursue their flesh without having any consequences. That's a foolish deception of the enemy to believe that. But when we got to the place in our culture where people started believing that I can do whatever I want, I can follow my feelings, And who's going to stop me? Because we kept pushing God out of the equation. We kept pushing God out of our lives and the culture. Um, So people, we are now experiencing the same thing that we saw in the book of Judges, where it says that... um, the, the, the people of Israel got to the place where everyone did what was right in his own eyes. And that's what's happening with us now. I think the farther we get from Eden um, and the farther we get from walking with God and obeying his commands and honoring the, uh, the restrictions and the parameters that he has put in place for our good, Deuteronomy tells us over and over again, the farther we get from those things, the more we are committed to pursuing what we think is going to make us happy and of course it doesn't work nothing is going to work if it's the opposite of how god ordained for us to be and intended for us to be so when you've got people living life on their own terms and refusing bow to the authority of the creator god who made them we're going to end up with a mess and that's how we ended up with So much splintering in terms of sexuality and gender identity, unwed children and kids growing up with without intact families, an epidemic of sexually transmitted diseases that are causing greater amounts of infertility than we've ever seen before. There's all kinds of problems, all of which are due to the fact that people want to live life on their own terms Rather than submitting to the authority of the God who made them,
0: as I see it, this is indicative of a huge spiritual battle that's going on between the forces of darkness and the one true and living God, and that what we are seeing is something that is setting the stage for the return of Jesus Christ. The level of deception in the day in which we live is staggering, but it certainly fits the one who is called the deceiver. I asked uh, Sue Bolin her thoughts.
1: I could not agree more. Uh, John, I, I think that the enemy of our souls has had a big part in this and it really goes back over 150 years ago um, when evolution started becoming uh, a bigger and bigger part of the culture. When people threw off this idea that, that they could explain the world around us as, the as the result of the creator God and, Now, if if we can throw God out of the picture, then we can do whatever we want. Um, So it's been picking up steam for a long time. But I think recently, particularly with the invention of the Internet and the fact that the world is flat, um, we have access to people around the globe, um, and technology keeps speeding things up, I think that is why... We we see what you're talking about with with the the speed of arrogance and um, rebellion just getting to a fever pitch, and I I think it's just going to keep on picking up speed. I think there's a there's a reason that in the Book of Revelation we see that the world is in a crazy bad place when Jesus comes back. Um, to put a stop to it because we are about to destroy ourselves. We're on that path, I think.
0: Now, at this point, you may be listening saying, oh, it's absolutely hopeless. What Sue just said is correct. Well, what she said is correct, but there's more to the story. And we've got to always keep that in mind.
1: John, you and I have both read the last book of the Bible. We know how things end up. And in the end, God wins. So, yes, there's hope. Here's the thing lights shine a whole lot more brightly in the darkness than they do in relative light. And so, the darker things get in our culture, the more we have an opportunity to be people of the light and to be salty and cause others to want to drink of the living water. So, yeah, there's a whole lot of hope that as we do things God's way, we're going to shine like stars in the universe, and people will be drawn to it. We, there is hope for, at least within our families and the, the number of, of people in our immediate world, we can set a new standard and do things differently I would do things God's way and prevent our children from experiencing some of the consequences of foolishness and try to offer another perspective on a different way of
0: living. But when it comes to perspective, it's so distorted in our day. Who would have thought just a few years ago even that we'd be in a day in which there would be so much, uh, what do you call it, just gender confusion that we would have some of the dynamics that are playing out in our country?
1: When every child is born, uh, there is an exception for those for whom there is a genetic anomaly. But for 99.9% of the population, first thing that is said when a child is born is, it's a boy or it's a girl. And in that statement, God has printed on that child his intention for them. He has called them to be male and female, just as in Genesis 1, when God created the first human beings, male and female, that It it really is binary. I don't care what the world is saying about you need to embrace non-binary gender. No, no. It's still male and female. And God says, this is my intention for this little one. He is a boy who is to grow up to become a man, or this is a little girl who is to grow up to become a woman. Our problem is, I don't think we're defining boy and girl, male and female, masculine and feminine, as broadly as I think it would be wise to. We need to give lots more room for um, God's creative intent for the genders apart from just the stereotypical very narrow expectations of this is what boys should be like, this is what girls should be like.
0: Now, you may be wondering what is Sue talking about, and I'm going to give her a few moments to elaborate because I think it's important. What she is saying is that, in effect, in the past, there's been kind of the definition of masculinity. That means, uh, well, a man is just as tough as can be, the Marine who won't cry, Uh, a man who can shove any feelings he may have, has any feeling? The only one is, well, he's an angry and tough guy. Well, that's what she's talking about. And as speaking as a man who tends to have that rather strong, sensitive side, I, I understand what she's talking about. In fact, I asked her if she could uh, take a few moments, elaborate, explain what you mean when you talk about we need to be a little broader in terms of how we describe a man or a woman.
1: Well, I believe that God showed me some years ago that instead of there being a single gender spectrum where you've got male on one side and female on the other, or to put it a different way, masculinity on one end of the spectrum and femininity on the other. I believe that God has one spectrum for masculinity and a separate spectrum for femininity. And when a little boy is born, God determines where on the masculinity spectrum he is now on, on one end and on one extreme is your rough and tumble, all American, super athletic type boy. That's it's what comes to mind when we say the term. Oh, he's all boy. They're the, the ones that can't wait to get dirty, that love to play sports, um, climb trees, the, the very physical sorts of things. They tend to be emotionally sort of insensitive, and that's one and the majority of what it means to be a boy. But at the other end of the spectrum, also part of God-created masculinity, to his glory and for our good, is a different kind of boy who comes out of the womb creative, artistic, sensitive. These are the the Davids of the world, you know, who uh, write songs and perform and are performing artists. Are often the, the the boys, the men, are in this category. These artistic, sensitive, creative boys are super emotionally attuned to what's going on around them. And as a matter of fact, my husband is the lead teacher. In his every Sunday morning at our church, he teaches two-year-olds, and he tells me that as the year progresses, they're they're just turning two at the beginning of the of the the year when in August, when he gets them, as they grow into their twos, he can spot these emotionally sensitive little boys. When somebody starts to cry and gets upset, they'll drop what they're doing and go over and pat a child, you know, pat the upset one on the back or on the shoulder saying, you okay, you okay. And they're, they're super sympathetic and, and they want everybody to, to be okay. That, you can 't teach a child that kind of empathy and and beautiful sensitivity. God puts that in a boy and and you 've got everything in between you know you 've got the the all American athletic type, and then at the other end of the spectrum, you have the uh, the sensitive creative aesthetic type and everything in between and you know what we need to do is re- recognize that the creative, sensitive, artistic boy is not a lesser boy because he's not an athlete. He's a different kind of boy. And actually, we see that in the Bible with – Jacob and Esau. Jacob was a mama's boy. He was an, a tent dweller. He was not an outdoorsy type as Esau was. He was your quintessential, you know, type of of, of all-American boy type. You know, you, you see these twin boys, very different aspects of masculinity, but God put that in them.
0: What about when it comes to broadening the spectrum of characteristics when it comes to young girls
1: on the other side is a femininity spectrum and on one end you've got your girly girls the ones who come out of the womb saying oh could i have a pink receiving blanket and and one of those little headbands that goes around my little bald head with the big old flower on it and and there's a little girl I know that th- today at church, John, she's two years old and she wanted to wear high heels to church because she so loves her Disney princess dresses and she wants to be a princess. So you've got that on one end and on the other end of the seven entity spectrum are girls who are allergic to dresses they're, they want to be outside climbing the trees and throwing the perfect spiral, and they're often gifted athletes. They're often natural-born leaders. Their femininity is a different kind. These are the ones that, when they're supported in their femininity, they end up being amazing mothers of Boys, um, teachers of both boys and girls. My plea is please recognize that there is a wide variation in both masculinity and femininity, and we need to support children as God made them to be the type of boy, the type of girl that God made them to be, and teach our children to recognize that in other kids. So instead of giving somebody a hard time, for being a different kind of boy or a different kind of girl than what they are, to support that and celebrate it.
0: And so we need to be careful not to, to label people based upon a, a rather stark and constricted view of masculinity or femininity.
1: It's so important for children to feel safe and secure by looking at their parents and knowing everything's good with mom and dad so their needs girls need to see their dad showing respect and honor to their mothers boys need to see their mothers showing respect and honor to their fathers and um so they because they're going to pattern themselves after their same-sex parent and so um, parents need to respect each other and parents also need to respect their children and be mindful of the fact that God made them the way He wanted them, and um to to pour out into children the what I call the three a's, attention, affection, and affirmation. Everybody is born with the need for those things. Um we get in trouble when we try to get unmet needs met in illegitimate ways. but everybody needs to feel like mom and dad are paying attention to me Um, they need to feel mom and dad are they love me and they're showing that to me both verbally and physically with hugs and gentle caresses Um, and and they need affirmation kids need to hear their parents express I'm so proud of you and you know if if I could choose the kids that I wanted my family I would pick you And things like, how in the world did I ever get so blessed as to be your mom and to be your dad? To hear that kind of affirmation from kids, that that uh, from parents for kids is a tremendous way for children to grow up in the soil of um, of security and feeling loved and significant.
0: And one of the reasons we have so much confusion in the area of sexuality is the lack of what uh, Sue Bolin of Probe Ministries just said. And that is, there's this tremendous need for that affirmation, the building up of, of a young person as they navigate the, the difficult realities of life. What they also need, though, is they need uh, solid role models because. Uh, the child will normally follow the same-sex parent in terms of uh, modeling masculinity or femininity. And all we've got to do is look at the prison system to see what happens when a dad is absent or a mom is absent, but especially when it comes to dads.
1: If you take a look at who is in prisons, in men's prisons, it's almost strictly fatherless boys because God intended for children to have both a father and a mother. Mothers and fathers are not interchangeable. It's not about, well, as long as kids are loved, that's the only thing that matters. No, because moms and dads love children differently. They raise them differently. They affirm them differently. And they need both kinds of um, parental attention, affirmation, and affection. So for example, uh, one of the things I love to think about is there's a big difference between the way that moms encourage a hurting child. There's there's this beautiful, soft, empathetic type of um, encouragement. When a child is hurt, um, they'll they'll lower their voice and their voice gets very soft and encouraging. It's it's okay. It's okay. I'm your safe place to fall. But, you know, if a boy falls down and, you know, nothing's broken or bleeding, you know, probably what dad is going to do is say, Hey, buddy, you okay? Hop up. It's okay. You know, and he's helping a son to develop a thicker skin. He's got a men can do this very, very special kind of aggression nurturing as opposed to empathetic nurturing that says to a boy, hey, toughen up. You you, you need to not be a baby here. And so... Um, dads can uh, rough and tumble, roughhouse with their kids, uh, wrestle with them, with their boys especially, throw them up in the air, and catch them. Of course, a very important part <laughs> of throwing kids up in the air. Um, we see, you know, honestly, one of the well, the most popular dough on TV right now, as I understand it, is NCIS. Gibbs, the main character, has this way of showing this aggression-nurturing for the men on his teams by slapping them in the heads, which sounds horrible if you've never seen it, but it's really quite endearing. But he would never dream of doing that to the women on his team Um, because dads and moms love and nurture differently, and we need both kinds in order for kids to be healthy.
0: And you know it's difficult for a single mom when she has to, well, pretty much uh, take up both sides of the equation. I know my mother did, so she had to have that tough side, raising a little boy alone, as she did for my formative years. Now, what do you do, though? And I asked Sue this. What do you do when your child says, you know, I think I should have been a, or I want to be a, and they talk about they want to be a member of the other sex,
1: so important to ask an extremely critical question which is what do you mean by that what what it is that you're telling me about you know i want i wish i were a boy or i wish i were a girl what do you mean by that why do you think it would be better people should not assume that their kids are are thinking on the same level as as an adult for example there was one little boy who wanted to who started telling his parents that he wanted to be a girl and they started getting all crazy thinking about you know oh no we need to take him to a gender specialist our kid is transgender he thinks he's the opposite sex and really what was going on is that this little boy had had a special needs sister born into the family and the parents were pouring so much energy into this special needs little girl He was feeling left out, and he thought the problem was, well, if I were a girl, my parents would give me the kind of attention that I used to get, but I don't anymore since the sister came along, so it must be about the fact that she's a girl. Well, that has nothing to do with feeling like a girl on the inside. You know, it's so easy for kids to have very strong feelings but have absolutely inaccurate completely wrong interpretations of what is causing those feelings parents need to ask what do you mean when you say you know I don't want to be a boy or I don't like my body seek to understand what's happening because often it's not what the parents are thinking so instead of rushing a child to a gender specialist and saying oh my word we have a transgender child parents need to understand that to be a child and then especially to be an adolescent is to live through confusion and they're going to not understand themselves all the time Um, they also need to know that about 85 possibly more percent of the time when when kids are growing older and they feel like um, they're they've got the wrong gender going on or they wish they were the opposite sex going through puberty resets that and and it makes everything work out okay once they get the sex hormones in their body as God intended for them to, without the hormone blockers or the crazy things that people are doing now, um, that resolves itself over time almost all the time. it resolves itself so again, back to where we started don't freak out. find out what your child is thinking and where how did you come to that conclusion that it's not okay to be you know who you are um, and it could be that you know you've got. I know of little boys that say, I want to be a girl because I like purple. I like silver. I like sparkly. And boy stuff doesn't come in those colors, and that's not fair, so I guess I want to be a girl. And the reality is color choices are completely 100% cultural. It has nothing to do with intrinsic masculinity or intrinsic femininity. In parts of Africa, pink is considered the most masculine color. It's completely cultural.
0: Thank you, Sue Boland of Probe Ministries, for taking the time to share with us this very important information. I appreciate Sue's compassionate heart and her commitment to biblical truth. Now, if you want to read her blog, and I'm going to encourage you to do so, go to probe.org. That web address, again, is simply probe, P-R-O-B-E, .org, and look for Sue's blog. Let me also point out that this is the kind of program you're glad you didn't miss. But if you did miss it, and then you are signed up for our podcast, it would be available to you. You'd get a notification, and then you can decide to listen at your leisure. So with that in mind, I encourage you to go to a, the service that provides any podcast you listen to, Apple or Spotify or one of the others, and look for John Online. John Online. That is the title of our podcast. Thank you so much for listening.